0: Please open your Bibles to the book of Genesis, the 13th chapter, Genesis 13, in your Schofield Bible, page 21. We'll be reading just one verse here, and we'll turn to yet another passage. Genesis chapter 13, verse 4. We'll read the verse, of course, all together. Let's stand, please, for the reading of the Word of God. Ready? unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Turn now to first Samuel chapter fourteen. Page three hundred and thirty three in your Schofield Bible. We'll read verse thirty five. First Samuel fourteen verse thirty five. And let's read. Ready? And Saul built an altar unto the Lord. This same was the first altar that he built unto the Lord. And let's pray. Father, we're thankful for this church. We're grateful for the crowd that gathers here. The world focuses on something else. Their minds on the Olympics and other things that have no measure of importance when it comes to thy word and thy people the preaching of your word thank you that we're here where preaching matters where thy word is held sacred we pray that you'd help us tonight to be helped and to want to be helped and so we listen give power to our preacher in jesus name amen
1: I announced a while ago and this morning that I'm preaching four sermons on the first. This morning, the first glory, night, the first altar, next Sunday morning on the first love, and then Sunday night on the first works. I'm reading for you what we read a while ago because I want to emphasize the words, the first verse. By the way, these are the only two places in the Bible, as far as I know, that deal with the first, the words first altar. I read in Genesis thirteen four, where Abraham came unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And then I read concerning Saul, these words, and Saul built an altar unto the Lord. The same was the first altar that he built unto the Lord. I want to talk tonight on the subject of first altar. Our Heavenly Father, I'm afraid that growth and grace is, is overrated, highly exaggerated. I'm afraid that we sometimes substitute deadness for maturity. I pray you to help us tonight to go back to our first altar. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. As I said a while ago, there are only two places in the entire Bible, as far as I can tell, where the term first altar is mentioned. I call your attention the first time. Abraham had left the land of what we now would call Iraq. It's called in those days the Ur of the Chaldees and Babylon. Abraham had left the Ur of the Chaldees and uh, and had gone toward the land of Canaan. When he came to, finally came to the land of Canaan, the Bible says that he built an altar. Let me pause for a few moments and listen carefully as I explain this. There have been four places, and four things in the Bible that are called the house of God. The first house of God was the altar. Remember when when Cain and Abel came at the end of days or on the Sabbath day to present their offerings to the Lord, and Cain brought of the of the fruit of the ground, and Cain brought Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock. He brought it. To offer as a sacrifice on the altar, when uh, I'll talk about it after a while, when Jacob was at, at uh, saw the 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 ladder and the angels angels of God going up and down the ladder, he named the place Bethel, and the word Bethel means house of God. Beth meaning house and el being a little prefix or a suffix of God, so the house of God. Now the first house of God in the Bible was the altar. The second house of God was the tabernacle. That was what I mentioned this morning when. When God gave Moses the instructions and dimensions of the tabernacle, that portable uh, house of God, if you please, that was taken up and put down according to whether they were traveling or stopped for a season. The third house of God was the temple. Uh, that was the permanent building that took the place of the tabernacle. And the fourth house of God is the body of the believer. Just as God met his people at the altar in the patriarchal days and met them at the tabernacle in the days of the traveling of the Israelites, and met him at the temple, even now he dwells in our bodies. There is no sacred building today. We say the Lord is in his holy temple, meaning the Lord is in church house. The Lord is not in his church house anymore, he's across the street in the parking lot. We met for four months years ago down in the civic center while this building was being constructed, and, uh, and, and it was as sacred down there as this building is here tonight. I'm saying the body of the believer is that which is sacred. Now, that means this. That means the body of the believer is supposed to be held as sacred as the Old Testament temple was. You would never think about taking a bunch of tobacco and pour, pouring it on this altar. That'd be sacrilegious, but not near sacrilegious as putting a cigarette in your mouth. You'd never think about uh, taking some whiskey or beer or wine coming down here and, and saturating this carpet in the altar with whiskey, beer, or wine. That'd be sacrilegious, but not near sacrilegious if you'd go out and take a martini or drink some wine at a company party or something. So the first house of God was the altar. Second house of God, the tabernacle. Third house of God was the temple. The fourth house of God, the body of the believer. Paul said, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And uh, so uh, Abraham built an altar there which represented the house of God. Abraham left the Canaan because of a famine in the land, went down to Egypt, and backslid there for a season. It was there that Abraham... Uh, uh, lied about Sarah being his wife and said she was his sister. It was there that he met and hired this little gal, Hagar, who was to become the mother of an illegitimate child, of whom Abraham was the father later on. Abraham was backslidden. He left the will of God. He comes back finally to the land of Canaan. The Bible says he comes back to the first altar. to the first. Al- that's the house of God. Now you listen to me. You can proportionally dis- describe your spirituality by your faithfulness to the house of God. There's no way that you can that you can, can can separate being right with God from faithfulness to the house of God. When Abraham came back to the house of God, Abraham got right with God. Abraham came back from backsliding, he came to the house of God. You say, I can be as good a Christian outside church as I can inside church. You've got bats in your belfry, rooms for in upstairs, Jesus falling out of your sandwich and don't sleep on, the, on your ear tonight, your brain will fall out on a pillow. I'm simply saying that you're crazy. I hope you get the idea. No, You can't be a good Christian. See, my Bible says in Acts twenty twenty eight that the church of God he purchased with his own blood. If Jesus thought enough to purchase it, it has something to do with your spirituality. And you will not be spiritual outside church. And that means every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night, you ought to be in the house of God. No substitute for it. Uh, Youth for Christ can't substitute for it. Gideon's can't substitute for it. Uh, Amway can't substitute for it. Nothing can substitute for the house of God. Nothing can take its place. Abraham came back to the altar, and the Bible said it was his first altar. Listen to me. Ladies and gentlemen, never forget your roots. Never forget those sweet, happy hours and important places in the early days of your Christian life. Now something about like that is the story of Jacob in the Bible, and I'm going to just uh, just uh, recount that a bit. You recall how that Jacob had tricked, uh, had tricked Esau out of his uh, birthright and he tricked his brother Esau out of the blessing from his father, and uh, Esau was a big guy, and he said, "I'll kill Jacob." And so Jacob's mother Rebecca came to her little pet boy, and uh, I never liked Jacob. There's some people in the Bible I like, some folks I don't like. I don't like Jacob. Now Jacob was more spiritual than Esau, but I like Esau better than Jacob. A guy that goes hunting is better than a guy's home making soup. Now I just don't care what you are, and. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, um, I, I just don't like house husbands, though I was one for six weeks recently. I can cook a mean breakfast. I told Ms. Hiles today, I may go on television the cooking show, I'm not sure. But, uh, but uh, 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 Jacob uh, tricked Esau. Esau said, I'll get him. Rebecca came and said, Jakey, sonny boy, I think you better leave the country and go to Haran, because uh, Esau may kill you. So Jacob leaves the country and goes down toward Haran. And there the first night he lights on a certain place, and he, he makes him a little place to sleep there. And while he's asleep, he has a dream. He sees a ladder going from earth to heaven, and angels of God going up and down that ladder. Jacob wakes up the next morning, and Jacob says, uh, uh, I'm going to call this place Bethel, which means the house of God. Notice, getting right with God and the, ha- and, and the house of God always go along together. Now, you say, but the house, church doesn't say, church doesn't say, but it keeps saying people right. He says, it's not necessary to join the church and go to church to be to be uh, saved. No, it's not. But it's necessary to go to church to stay right with God. So happens that's what it's all about. And by the way, I don't mean just go. I mean listen when you get there. I mean pay attention when you get there. So uh, Jacob calls this place Bethel, which is a house of God. By the way, he says something else. He says, I'm going to start tithing. Jacob got saved, joined the church, and started tithing at the very same time. Started tithing. Uh, tithe, what does that mean, some of you new Christians? It, and some of you old Christians, it means the first tenth of your income is God's. You say, I've got to give the first tenth of my income to God's. No, you don't give it. It's already God's. You keep it, you're a dirty crook, you're a thief, you're a robber. And so, and by the way, let me say this too. Um, you can't get right with God without tithing. And I'll promise you this. If your heart's cold tonight, I'll guarantee you that you can warm your heart. Listen to me over here. In the, hey, Hey, folks over here, young people. Hey, hey, young people. Hey, I'm preaching to you folks over here. Listen to me while I'm preaching. I'm not here I'm just blabbing my mouth off. You need what I'm saying, much everybody else does. So uh, I'll say this. If your heart's cold tonight, I'll guarantee you how to get it warm. Start tithing. Yeah, I can prove it. Matthew 6, 21 says, where your treasure is, there would your heart be also. Didn't say you get your heart right, you get your money right. It said you get your money right, you get your heart right. Where your money goes, you enjoy it. Russell Anderson and I were on the airplane together. I was reading the sport page, he was reading the stock market. You know why? Back in the Dallas Cowboy days, I'm interested in the Dallas Cowboys. He is interested in how much money he's going to make in the stock market. Say, why weren't you interested? I didn't have any money in the stock market. Or in the Cowboys either, for that matter. Well, I had a few bets on the games, but I I'm saying that, that your heart is not right with God if you don't it. And your heart will get right with God sooner or later if you start tithing because your heart follows your treasure where it goes. So, uh, Jacob started tithing. He got saved there. I think he got saved there. He he met the Lord there. And he got saved, I think, there. He, he uh, built an altar, called it Bethel, the house of God, and started tithing. Jacob gets up. He keeps on going. Goes down to Haran. For 20 years, he's a backslider. He's saved, but a backslider. He's saved... But he's away from the will of God, down to Haran. He gets very wealthy while he's in Haran. Twenty years later, he gets a message from God in a dream saying, go back to Bethel. Go back to Bethel. Go back to Bethel. Back to Bethel I must go. Back where the rivers of pure waters flow. Back to the joy life my soul longs to know Bethel is calling and I must go. Let me insert what that means. Back to the church I must go. Back to the r- rivers where pure waters flow. Back to the joy life, my soul longs to know. The church is calling, and I am a skull. And so he's, uh, God said, "Go back to church. Go back to the church. Go back there. Go back to Bethel. Back to your first altar. He would built an altar there. Back to your first altar. Don't ever get away from your salvation experience. Don't ever get away from tithing. Don't ever get away from the house of God." And so the Bethel, by the way, almost ten years later, the call of God comes again. Arise and go. To Bethel. And Jacob does finally rise. He goes back to Bethel. And there, I love this, he goes back and builds an altar where the first altar was. Back at, back at Bethel. And uh, he's back there. And then he says, I think I'll call it something else. I'll call it El Bethel. El meaning God. So it was called Beth-El, House of God. Now it's called El Bethel, the God of the House of God. And that's what the House of God's here for, is to make you fall in love with the God of the House of God. And so uh, Jacob is back uh, at Bethel and, uh, and back to the first altar. I said again, don't ever leave that salvation experience. The lady wrote me a note one time and she said, we're getting sick and tired of hearing about little Jackie boy getting saved. When are you going to quit talking about little Jackie boy getting saved? I got up and I, she didn't answer it, of course. How do you know it's a female? Because she said, she mentioned that she was a she and so forth and because a man wouldn't do a such a thing as that. You're not home tonight, are you? The lights are on, but nobody's home. So I got in the pulpit, and I, and, and I made the statement. I answered the question. I said, you're always going to hear about little Jackie boy. Always are. The apostle Paul, everywhere he went, gave his testimony. He'd go before the king, and the king would say, what are you going to say for yourself? And Paul said, before I said anything, could tell you. I was going down to Damascus one time to kill some Christians. All of a sudden, a light shone around about me. And I fell on my face and said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard to kick against a prick. I trusted Jesus, and God saved He'd go down to a chief priest, and the priest would say, Hey, boy, what, we're going to persecute you. What defense do you have? Well, before I give him a defense, let me tell you, I was going down the road to Damascus to kill Christians one time. All of a sudden, I saw a light shining around about me. I fell on my face and said, Who art thou, Lord? Anytime Jesus whom thou persecuted, I got saved. Now I'm preaching the gospel. He'd go to Festus and Felix, and they'd say, Okay, you're being tried. Right now your life's at stake. Oh, what are you going to say? He'd say, well, before I say anything, I won't tell you. I was going down the Damascus Road one time. A light shone round about me. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? Say, I'm Jesus, and I'm It's hard to kick against a prick. And I got saved, and I'm preaching the gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, you get that testimony out, and you dust it off, and you tell it, and 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 tell it. Revelation 12:11 says in the tribulation period, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Old Dr. Bob Jones Sr. stood behind the pulpit over here in his last days before in the old auditorium before he even built this hand. Preached for us one Sunday morning and he he was, he was senile. Uh, he was getting up in years, probably about 69, nearing 70. He was getting up in years and, and he, he was preaching. Old Dr. Bob started off preaching and said, before I started, I want to tell you about when I was a 13-year-old boy down in southern Alabama. Northern Alabama I went to hear an old-fashioned country preacher. I went to the mourner's bench and got saved and born again. I've been saved now since I was 13 years old. About three or four minutes later, he said, By the way, I want to tell you something. I was down in northern Alabama, a 13-year-old boy. I went to church, heard an old-fashioned preacher preach the gospel, went down to the mourner's bench and got saved. Ladies and gentlemen, nine times in that one sermon, he had lost his memory, but there's one thing he couldn't forget. Bless God. He couldn't forget when he got saved. Now, you take that old testimony out, you dust it off, and you tell it and tell it and tell it and tell it. We well, say folks will get tired of it. Make them get tired of it, brother. I've said it time and time again. As a little boy, almost 11 years old, in August of 1937, I was a poor the neighborhood uh, drunk, son of the neighborhood drunk. I wasn't the neighborhood drunk. I was the son of the neighborhood drunk, and I went to church barefoot one Sunday night, and God spoke to my heart, and going out to an outside service behind the church, an open-door service, I got on my knees, a little, a little bridge over a little ravine there, I got on my knees, and I trusted Jesus as my Savior. I'm saying, I tell it, I'll sing it, I'll tell it, wherever I go, I want all to hear it, I want all to know the joy of salvation that makes my heart glow, for I've been born again. Tell it, tell, get, back to your, get back to your testimony, that's the salvation experience, at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. Get back to your first order. Then, get back to your first, get back to the church. Jacob got back to the church. And I don't mean a church, I mean a Bible believing, old fashioned, New Testament, soul winning, independent, hell, fire, and brimstones Baptist church. That's what I'm talking about. Another story, much like it. Two fishermen, two men fishing on the Sea of Galilee. Two boats, rather, on the Sea of Galilee. One of the fellows fishing there was named Peter. Call him Simon. And Peter was fishing. He got through trying to fish and didn't caught anything, been fishing all night long, and brother, that is the most discouraging thing in the whole world. Have you ever fished, brother Ray, all night long, haven't caught anything? I was fishing one night in Texas. I don't go fishing anymore. I've gotten right with God, and since I do, I don't go hunting or fishing. And uh, when I was fishing one night, took my deacons out fishing, fished all night, Lake Texoma down North Texas, didn't catch a cotton-picking thing, not a thing, got disgusted, Put my uh, uh, one of the deacons put his pole over his shoulder and accidentally caught a fish while he's pulling his line in all night long. I'm talking about 7 o'clock at night all night long. If I ever, uh, I mean I didn't cuss but if somebody had written it down I'd have signed it, I'll tell you for sure. Now Peter and and these fishermen two go fishing all night long and they gave up and were washing their nets. Somebody comes up that has a strange voice. Somebody comes up who's different than anybody else in the whole world, and uh, he says, uh, "Caught anything?" <laughs> Knowing Peter like I do, he used a few expertise. Is that the word? Uh, well, I call them cuss words. But uh, and Jesus said, "Launch out in the deep, launch out in the deep." And uh, he said, "We've we've called all night and caught nothing. Dirty brick or bracka, pack it to watch a slider rip. But I like what Peter said. He said, but at thy word we will let down the net. At thy word. Everything the word says, do it. What's the safest way in life to have success? Do what the word says. Do what God said at thy word. But listen, he said let down the net. We'll let down the net. Let down the net. The Bible says they've caught a great multitude of fishes. Until both ships were about to sink and then Jesus said from henceforth thou shalt catch men and says they, they left all and followed Jesus. I guess so boy. I'd follow him too if you could tell me where the fish are every time we went fishing and it said, it said they left all and followed Jesus for three years. Peter walked with Jesus. He saw him as he raised Lazarus from the dead. He saw him as he spoke and caused blind eyes to see. He saw him as he Spoke and caused deaf ears to hear and dumb tongues to speak. The lame to leap like a heart. He blessed the little children. Peter was there. Peter was on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was uh, met with Moses and Elijah and was transfigured in a little little preview of his glorified body. Peter was there. Peter was there in the upper room. And he, he was the one who said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. In Matthew 16, in Matthew chapter 10, he was chosen to be an apostle. And in Matthew chapter 17... He went with Peter, James, and John up to the Mount of transfiguration. Now comes the upper room. He was there. And then comes time for Jesus to be crucified. You ever notice how even good Christians backslide? Abraham's backslide. Jacob's backslide. David's backslide. Noah's backslide. And uh, Jesus being crucified, being tried. Crucified. First thing Peter did was he slept while he should have been awake. Jesus was praying and he came back and said, Couldn't you watch for one hour? Found him sleeping. Next thing he did, he was uh, he was resisting with the sword when Jesus was giving himself to go to Calvary. He (laughs) drew out his sword, and the Bible says he cut a fellow's ear off. Now he wasn't aiming at the ear. Did you ever say to anybody, one more word out of you, buddy, and off comes your ear? Did you ever hear, did you ever, anybody ever be be ear somebody? Be behead somebody, but you don't be ear somebody. Peter <coughs> grabbed his sword and took a whack, and the guy ducked and knocked his ear off. Peter cut his ear off. Jesus reached down and put it back on. Don't you do that. I, I can't put him back on like that. I wouldn't if I could, but... Peter was resisting when he should have been yielding. That isn't all. Peter followed afar off. Brother, don't follow God afar off. Get right up there behind him. I mean, get as close as you can. And Peter, and then then Peter warmed with the devil's fire and sat down with the wrong crowd. Now, I want to tell you something, brother. Never has been anybody left the will of God. Never has been anybody backslidden in this world for what they got didn't get with the wrong people. Like I said this morning, if you want, to, if you want the fire of God, get uh, somebody's got the fire. If you don't have the fire, light your fire from somebody else that's on fire for God. But quit running around with the gossips and the critics and the scandalizers. Quit running around with the cussers and the anti-church crowd. Quit running around with the enemies of First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana. It'll, it'll rub off on you, brother. Deadness will rub off. Fire will rub off. Uh, glory will rub off. And filth will rub off. And walking with God off and backsliding above, you get with the right crowd and run with the right crowd. <coughs> then Peter says, I go a fishing. Had just a touch of Ray young in mean, him. I go fishing. The apostle said, we go with thee. And by the way, you never backslide by yourself. In the meantime, Jesus had risen from the dead. Peter's back up there on the Sea of Galilee where he was before. That was his first altar. He's up there at the Sea of Galilee. fishing. And Jesus walks up to him. he had caught nothing, just like he before. Jesus said, cast your net on the right side of the ship. Sort of sounded like something happened before, doesn't it? Sort of sounded like when he got saved. Jesus was trying to remind Peter of his salvation. Peter cast the net on the right side. Bible said multitudes of fish were caught. And Peter said, it's the Lord. He didn't know who he was. But boy, when he saw those fish come up, he knew who it was. His salvation experience was renewed. Ladies and gentlemen, we need a bunch of folks to go to these shops and, and, and factories and steel mills and tell people what God's done for you. Give your testimony. Because I don't have one. Come down to the altar and get one tonight. Jesus wants you to go back to the first altar. And so it is. The place is important. Abraham went back to the first altar. Jacob went back to Bethel where his first altar was. And Jesus took Peter back to the Sea of Galilee where he had first seen the miracle and first decided to leave all and follow Christ. I keep in touch with that little spot that is behind an abandoned church building in southwest Dallas, and the, actually the ghettos, even worse than they were when I was a boy. A big uh, brick church is abandoned there. Nobody's there. Windows are all knocked out, boarded over. Some of you folks have been there with me. Last time we were there, we walked in. Brother Ray, were you when we walked in that little beginner department? The same little beginner department, where same room where Miss Bethel put me on her knees. Sixty-four years ago, a little barefooted boy, if you don't like this, stop your ears up, a little barefooted boy named Jackie Boy Hiles, barefooted with a pair of khaki pants with patches on either knee and a little white t-shirt on, and, uh, and, and walked in, and on Mrs. Bethel's knee, she looked at me and she said, Boys and girls, we have a visitor this morning. Aren't we glad to have him? They looked at my bare feet. They looked at my shabby clothes and didn't say a word. Miss Bethel hugged me to her breast and said, Jackie boy, did you know Jesus loves you? I looked up at her and said, Does he love me as much as he loves all the rest of the boys and girls? And she said, Jackie boy, I think he loves you more than loves anybody in this room. And the joy of God filled my soul. I am so glad that my Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible, I see. And this is the dearest that Jesus loves me. I am so glad. I'm trying to tell you, go back to your first altar and tell about it and brag about it and think about it and rejoice. Don't get away from your salvation experience. I keep in touch with that little marker on the country cemetery outside Italy, Texas where my daddy's body lay until I took it, brought it up here a few years ago and put it beside my mother's body. I couldn't get mother and daddy together in life. I got them to dig together in death, and they rest together out there now. Their bodies do. But that marker's still there. where my father passed away and the service was conducted, I went back the next day or a while later and fell on my face and stayed there several days. And I said, "Dear God, I'm not leaving here till something happens to me." And bless, bless God, my life was transformed. I go to Texas East once a year. I borrow a car, I rent a car, and I go down that little cemetery and get on my knees where God's power came on me. Why I want to go back to the first altar. I'm tired of preachers wanting to get something they haven't got. Keep what you had. Tired of all this new stuff. John MacArthur with his cell block idea. And uh, not having church on Wednesday night. Having groups meet in little houses. Jesus said, on, this, uh, on the, this rock I'll be on my cell block. He said, upon this rock I'll be on my church. We don't need anything new. Bless God. We need to get back to the old. I keep in touch with that little church ten miles south of Marshall, Texas. Called the Friendship Baptist Church where I preach my first sermon on Sunday morning. <laughs> I keep in touch with a place in the woods southeast of Marshall, Texas, where I made a vow to God, five vows to God, that I've tried to live by through these years. One, that money would never be an issue in my preaching. Two, I'd be loyal to principles and not institutions. Three, I'd make decisions on right and wrong and not expediency. Four, no, uh, nobody ever messes with my preaching. And five, I'll be a friend of my friends. And wrote those down on uh, three by five cart, and I'll go back to the very spot at least once a year, and renew those vows to God. Ladies and gentlemen, get in touch with your first altar and go back there at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. Find the spot. you. Got. If you've got to save this altar, come down here sometime and ask if you can come in here. Kneel here at this altar and thank God you're saved. Go back where it happened is what I'm saying. The first altar, I keep in touch with that little place where used to be a shack of a house. Two rooms, outhouse in the backyard, wood stove in the house for heat, and a kerosene lamp for light, and the windows stuffed with papers to keep out the winter wind. For my precious mother used to take me and sit me at her knee and look at me and hold the book up and say, Son, the Bible's the Word of God. Say it. And I had to say it three times, the Bible's the Word of God. Then she said, The Bible's about Jesus, and He's the Son of God. Say it. I had to say, Jesus is the Son of God, three times. Then she'd say, son, don't you let any professor ever tell you any different. And by the way, some of you preachers here tonight, would be a lot better off if you'd never met a theologian. In fact, the whole world would be better off if, if it would have another holocaust and kill all the theologians. Yeah. Well, I hope they don't much of them die tonight. I'll be arrested by morning. I'll probably be guilty. Are you cold of heart tonight? Go back to your first altar. I'm talking about... I'm talking about geographically. I'm talking about the spot. Abraham came back to his first altar. That's where it all happened. Jacob came back to his first altar. That's where it all happened. Peter came back to the place where it all happened. Go where it is. Go there. Go there. Get on your knees and rejoice and say, Oh, happy day that fixed my soul on thee, my Savior and my God. And thank him for the salvation God's given you. Go back to the place you got saved. Go back to the church. Go back to tithing. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's a second time the first altar is mentioned in the Bible. Genesis 13 4, it talks about the altar Abraham built at the first. He returned to that when he came back from Egypt. But in 1 Samuel, it talks about Saul building an altar. 1 Samuel 14:35, I think it is. Saul, King Saul, likewise, it says he built his first altar. Wait a minute. Hold it. King Saul also backslid. They never came back to his first altar. Two men, Abraham and Saul, of whom it mentions their first altar. Both men built the altar. It was both men's first altar. Both men backslid. One man died in ill repute, a wrecked and ruined life, a disgrace to his his God and to his family and to his Savior and to his country. King Saul died a flop, a failure. Abraham became a friend of God and the father of the faithful. Why? I'll tell you the difference. When Abraham backslid, he came back to the first altar. When Saul backslid, he didn't come back to his first altar. Talking to two groups of people tonight talking to folks backslidden, but you come back. Tonight you come back to your first altar. Come back to your roots. I refuse to change my preaching style. I was preaching like this 45, 48 years ago, I'll be preaching like this 48 years from now. I said, Brother Howells, haven't you grown in grace? No, I've seen some of these deadheads who have grown in grace. Most of the guys that say they've grown in grace have grown in disgrace. That's pretty good, wasn't it? Never said that before. I like that. Boy, what a mind. Most of theologians, I've grown in great. You'd be a lot better off theologian if you go back to where you got saved. And when God calls you to preach, go back here on your knees where it all happened. Get the old King James Bible. Kick your NIV out the front door, back door. And get the old King James Bible. And get your brush arbor. And be the kind of preacher you were when you were a young preacher. And go back to your roots. I'm saying go back to your altar. Your first altar. Your first altar. And I'm talking to the second group tonight. You've not been back. All of us have had times of, of declension. All of us have had times of drifting. All of us have had times of coldness of heart. Bless God, listen, all i got to do to get warm is just get down there to Texas, back behind the Fernwood Baptist Church. And get on my knees, oh, happy day that fixed my choice on thee, my Savior and my God. Well, may this glowing heart rejoice to tell its raptures all abroad. He taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Happy day! Go back where it started and get your joy back with God. On the other hand, there are others who don't ever do that. I'm talking about where? I'm not talking about thinking about it in your mind. I'm talking about go back to the very spot your first altar talking to folks tonight who drifted from your first altar it's sort of cute today Uh, brother Forrest Clegg brought me a he he stumbled across an old copy of Christian Life magazine from 1969 and of all the things I don't know why I did this I never do this but they challenged me to have a debate with a liberal preacher and a new evangelical and put it word for word in Christian Life magazine. I stood around, I sat across the table from a evangelical, new evangelical from Wheaton College, and a liberal from Garrett Seminary, and an old-fashioned hell raiser from First Baptist Church, Hammond, Indiana. We had a debate, and I said so many things. It's all over. I said to them, "You got too far away from your roots. When you first got called to preach, you weren't liberals. No liberals get called to preach." fundamentals get called to preach and go get influenced by a bunch of liberals who make them liberals. <laughs> no liberal starts the church. Fundamentals start the church and the stinking liberals steal the churches. Did you ever see a liberal start a church? Show me sometime. Did you ever see a liberal get a tent set up on a vacant lot? Get a storefront building, start a church? Did you ever see a liberal get excited? Well, glory, the Bible ain't so. <laughs> Hallelujah! he wasn't born of a virgin. Nothing to get excited about there, brother. You don't get excited about death. You get excited about life. You don't get excited about a dead Savior, but a living Savior. Go back tonight. Go back tonight to your first altar. Your first altar. Abraham came back and got right with God at his first altar. Jacob came back and got right with God at his first altar. And Peter got right with God at the very place where he got saved in the first, time, first place. But Saul never did talking to people tonight who need to come back to your altar. I'm talking to folks that will never do it. Never do it. And you'll never mount anything for God. Come back to the first altar. Oh, happy day. Happy day. When Jesus washed my sins away. He taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Happy day. Happy day. When Jesus washed my sins away. Tonight, I'd suggest everybody in this room... Decide to make a journey to the very spot where you trusted Christ. If you can't tell me the spot, then come down this aisle and get saved tonight. See, you have to know the time. You don't have to remember what month it was, what week it was, what day it was. But brother, you better remember where it was. You didn't You didn't just ooze into it. There had to be a time, and you realized that you were a sinner, and you were lost under the condemnation of God Almighty. And you said, I know that Jesus paid my condemnation in price for me and rose again after 72 hours and I am giving my hope for eternity in the hands of what Christ did. If you've ever been saved, you walk down the aisle and make, you make, make an altar tonight. If you're saved tonight, you remember that place where you got saved and you find your way to that place often, at least once a year. Get on your knees there as I do once a year behind the Fernwood Baptist Church and just have a spell. And some of you folks they are as dead as last year's Christmas tree. (laughs) If if, if some of you, if Undertaker came in tonight, he might think you're a customer. You'd be surprised if you went back to that very spot where you trusted Christ. You might be surprised how you'd feel. You may even stand up and say, You may even wave your finger for Jesus a little bit. Your first altar. Your first altar. Your first altar. Would you bow your heads, please?